Focus your heart on the hope of the resurrection with Dr. David Jeremiah's classic book called Season of Hope, a celebration of Easter. You'll receive this timeless work when you make a donation of any amount to Turning Point. And when you give $100 or more, you'll receive a special four-pack so you can share Season of Hope with friends who need encouragement. Request your books and learn more when you visit davidjeremiah.ca. Like so many of the virtues at the core of the Christian life, love is more than just an emotion. It's an action, one that puts the needs of others first. Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah takes a closer look at the virtue of love, what it is and what it does in the life of a believer. As he continues the series, Everything You Need, listen as David introduces today's message, Selfless Love. Say, have you ever heard of the word agape? Well, it's a Greek word, and it means selfless love. Uh, Agape is a word that means to love someone without any expectation of anything in return. It is a God word because that's the way God loves us. He agapes us. He loves us. We're going to talk about that because the Bible says we're to express that kind of love to other people. If we're on the journey to be Godlike. If we're looking at life and godliness the way Peter presents it, this is one of the characteristics on his list. We'll get to it in just a moment. But first, let me just remind you again that during this season, as we get ready for Easter, you can still get a copy of the book, Seasons of Hope, a celebration of Easter. You won't be able to read it all before Easter happens, but you'll get it, and it will really make Easter come alive, whether you read it before or after. It's a very special project that we did. Also, we did one for Christmas. This is our Easter gift book. It's very special, very beautiful, very readable, and very helpful. Go to our website and find out all about Season of Hope, a celebration of Easter. Here is Selfless Love, Part 1. Tucked between the massive buildings in the city of London is an unusual green space known as Postman's Park. It's been a quiet spot for local workers to eat their lunches, and the park has a circular walking trail, a little pool and a little fountain. It's a really special place. But it also has one of London's hidden gems, the Memorial to Heroic Self-Sacrifice. That's the place. This memorial is a simple wall of 54 ceramic plaques. Each plaque describes someone who gave their life selflessly for somebody else. Here are a few of the plaques that I've written down the message. Alice Ayers, daughter of a bricklayer's laborer, who by intrepid conduct saved three children from a burning house in Union Street Borough, at the cost of her own young life, April 24th, 1885. David Selves, age 12, supported his drowning playfellow and sank with him, clasped in his arms, September 12th, 1886. Henry James Bristow, aged 8, on December 30th, 1890, he saved his little sister's life by tearing off her flaming clothes, but caught fire himself and died of the burns and the shock. 
Mary Rogers, stewardess of the Stella, March 30th, 1899, self-sacrifice by giving up her life belt and voluntarily going down in the sinking ship. This little memorial was launched in the 1900s, and the plaques were installed in the early 1930s. When the project was done, it was viewed for a few years, and then basically it was forgotten. Nobody really in the new generation that grew up even knew it was there because it was kind of tucked down in between two walls. And then in 2007, a print technician named Lee Pitt gave his life to save a nine-year-old boy from drowning. And some of his colleagues who had remembered this wall decided they would like to add his name after all these years to this wall of people who had given their lives out of love for someone else. And it was in the interest of the memorial that this was done, and then all of a sudden that wall was rediscovered. Now if you go to London, you want to take a tour, you can see the wall for yourself. And be reminded that it is a nonprofit place that tries to support the project. And the reason they do it is because true heroism, love, and self-sacrifice is so desperately needed in our world today. We long, do we not, for examples of love that's genuine. Not just talked about love, but lived out love. Not the shallow emotions that we see in film and TV, but true self-sacrificing love, biblical love, God's love. So I would like to suggest, if I were building a memorial to honor self-sacrifice, I would put another plaque up on that wall, and it would say something like this. But God demonstrated his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. To me, that's the greatest statement of self-sacrificing love you will ever read about anyone. Everything that I have been talking to you about is summed up in that great phrase that God demonstrated his love toward us, that while we were yet sinners, Christ gave his life for us. And the kind of love that is demonstrated by what Jesus Christ did, as many of you know, has a term. It's called agape, agape love. Now let me tell you what agape is. There's a lot of words in the New Testament for love, but the highest word, the most honored word, is this word, The word agape is kind of Christ's word. And agape means to love somebody without regard to what they may do in return for you. To love someone so selflessly that no matter if they do not respond to you or return anything to you, you continue to love them. Obviously, we don't know very much about that in our culture today. We love others for what we can get from them. And when they stop giving what we thought we wanted, we stop loving them and find somebody else to love. That's pretty much the way our world works today. But that's not God's way. And thankfully, that's not the way God loves us. Wouldn't that be awful? I love you, David, till you mess up again. (laughs) I'm pretty short times of love. Isn't that true? But God doesn't love us that way. He loves us. Because it's his nature to love. God does not just love. God is love. And even the love that we get to give back to him isn't our own. The Bible says we love him because he first loved us. 
I don't have any love to give to God unless he gives it to me. So all I'm giving back to God is what he gave me in the first place. I got my love from him. I give it back to him. And that's how it works. Well, Peter, in this passage of scripture, insists that we do our part in developing these qualities. We've gone through them one by one. They're kind of like dominoes that topple each other over. And we've come to the final supreme quality, and that quality is Christ-like love. It's the final quality on Peter's list because it's the most important quality on Peter's list. It completes and gives meaning to everything else we've been talking about. And if you cultivate all of the other character qualities and you leave love out, then it won't work. Love is like the key that goes in the middle of all of these qualities that make them all work. And it's such an important lesson for us to communicate today in this world of hatred and anger and mean talk. I read a story about Mike Iaccadelli. I actually know who that guy is. He was traveling through San Francisco when he missed his flight home. He was so tired and he was angry at the way he had spent his life that week and he was homesick. And he called his son complaining. He said, man, I'm stuck in the airport. It's been a terrible day. I've been traveling too much. And instead of encouraging him, Yacanelli's son said, you know, Dad, if you didn't travel so much, you wouldn't have these things happen to you like this. <laughs> that didn't help him. He said, let me talk to my grandson. <laughs> this little boy was only two. He got on the phone and started making little two-year-old sounds. Yacanelli tried to make some sense out of it, but it's hard to communicate over the phone with a toddler if you haven't noticed. Then, as if by magic, he heard his grandson say in crystal clear words, I love you, Grandpa. And just like that, the son came out in his life and melted away his worry and his frustration and his weariness. He heard these four words, I love you, Grandpa. Got any kids at home, any grandkids, you know what those words will do. They're the sweetest words ever. We'll go across the street to get words like that. We'll even prompt them to say those words so we can hear them. We will say things like, do you love Grandpa? <laughs> and you know, when you reflect on that little simple story, there are people who are so busy that they're at their wit's end, and if they only would stop for a moment, they could hear the God of the universe whisper to them, and they would hear him say, I love you. I love you. God loves you. As I've said before, he always has and he always will. And the best way to understand how to add love to our brotherly kindness is to find out how Jesus loved. You want to know how God works? You find out how God works through Jesus. For Jesus is God's picture to us of himself. If you want to know what God does, how he functions, what he thinks, who he is, study Jesus. And when you study Jesus, you find out how God's love works. Uh, we often call 1 Corinthians 13 the love chapter of the Bible. But it's really John 13 
That is the love chapter of Jesus. Here in this chapter, which is one of the great chapters in the Gospels, is the story of God's love pictured for us through the work of Jesus Christ with his disciples. The setting was the upper room. It was the last night before Jesus was to be crucified. It was the most poignant night in the life of the most powerful man who ever lived. All four Gospels describe that night, but it's the Gospel of John that takes us into the depths of the story. Of the 21 chapters that comprise the Gospel of John, six offer a record of this one evening. Every detail was burned into John's mind as if it were with a branding iron. And when he wrote his gospel, he devoted six out of the 21 chapters to describe what happened on that last night, in those last hours. There was a love in the room that night in John chapter 13. And if you read it, and if you study it, and if you understand it, you will never recover from it. If you open the door into that room with me and you let the message of the upper room on the night before Jesus died penetrate your heart, you will discover what love really is. The curtain of night had fallen over Jerusalem and the streets were deserted and every home families were observing the Passover meal and the smell of roasted lamb was everywhere to be sensed. It was a full moon, and at one particular home, we walk up a set of stone steps to a large room. The meal is ready. The disciples are there. Oil lamps are casting shadows on the wall, and a feeling of foreboding hangs in the air. There was never a night like this, and there will never be another night like it ever in history. During this meal the Passover, the night before Jesus was crucified, Jesus breaks bread and he passes the cup and he talks to his friends about his broken body and his shed blood. So this is where the story begins. This is where the love pageant starts. And I want to give you some thoughts about love as we go through this story that really are pertinent to us today as we add to our list of virtues this final quality, adding to our loving kindness, agape love. First thing I want us to note is that love navigates our lifelong journey. Love is the key. Love is the red thread that runs through our lives from beginning to end after we become Christians. Listen to John 13, 1. When Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father, Having loved his disciples who were in the world, he loved them to the end. For three years, Jesus had led these men through Galilee and Judea and through the truths of the scripture. He'd put up with their squabbling and their outbursts and their mistakes and their lack of faith. And he nurtured their hearts and he taught them the greatest truths the world has ever heard. Now it's time for him to die. He's going to rise again and ascend back to heaven. And the same love that navigated his dealings with them for three years, the scripture says, endured to the end. It never faltered. It never failed. He didn't just love them when he was teaching them. He didn't just love them when he was telling them about his coming death 
burial, and resurrection. The Bible says he loved them all the way through the process to the very end. He knows how to put up with your squabbling too. Did you know that? That sometimes we think, well, if we do such and such, he'll quit loving us. No, God doesn't love us on the basis of what we do. That would be a sad story, would it not? If performance was the basis of God's love for us, we've already said that denies the very meaning of the term agape. Agape is loving some person even though you may never receive anything back from them. That's the kind of love that's demonstrated in this passage of Scripture. His love is incredibly patient. It's always nudging you toward maturity. And as I said before, if you mess up, you can't give up because God is still there urging you on, telling you that he loves you even if you never return your love to him. How many of you know when you don't know what to do, usually the best answer is love? (laughs) As you grow in Jesus, his love begins to help you know how to act and what to do in every situation. And his love gives you the courage to serve him. I don't know about you, but if you're like me, sometimes you feel insufficient for the demands of your life. I don't have any way to tell you how many times in the recent years, because of the things that have happened to us, I find myself standing backstage in an arena someplace and saying to myself, what in the world am I doing here? How did I get here? Why am I here? And feeling a sense of total inadequacy for what I know I'm about to do. Many days sometimes, just because of the kind of days they are, feel hard. But that's when you lean on the love of Christ and you pray, God, my heart is so open to you. Please help me with this problem. I know you love me, I accept your love, and I want to just say one word to you today. Help. Help. (laughs) As you grow in the love of Christ, you'll find yourself less anxious. You'll even sometimes be able to relax in the face of difficulty because you've made the decision to let God work through your hands and your words. And you've learned to sense the loving presence of God with you. Think of it like this. What if Jesus' love had failed him that night? Imagine the pressure he felt. I mean, he wasn't in an easy moment in his life. He had 12 disciples who were fighting with each other. Let me remind you that before Jesus got to the upper room that night, the disciples were having an argument over which one of them was the most important. Remember that? I mean, it wasn't just a discussion. It was an argument. Jesus is about to give his life for them. And they're arguing over which one of them is going to sit next to him in the kingdom. One of them was a traitor. Another one of them is going to deny him three times. Roman soldiers are on their way. Torture is ahead. Execution stands before him. There are goodbyes and the completion of his work on this earth and so much to say and so little time and all these things rushing together like meteorites colliding. If Jesus' love had failed him then, everything would have fallen apart. The Bible says he loved us to the end. He loved them to the end. Through all of that turmoil, through all that commotion, through all those things that are about to unfold in his life, in the redemption of mankind, Jesus never forgot that while he was dying for the world, 
there were 12 guys sitting around a table with him that he had loved for three years, and he loved them to the end. So let me say this to you. Love is what navigates your lifelong journey. Wherever you started, wherever you are, however long you have left, the one thing that will get you through most all of the things you're going through is love. Realizing the love that God has for you and that if you have failed, he hasn't stopped loving you because his love isn't based on your performance. His love is based on the performance of his son, Jesus Christ. How many of you think he did all right? So love is what navigates your lifelong journey. And secondly, love is what motivates you to serve other people. If you read on into this text, here's what it says. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going to God, Jesus rose up from supper, laid aside his garments, took a towel, and girded himself. And after that, he poured water into a basin, and he began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. Now, don't forget the setting. What are they doing? They're arguing. They're arguing over which one of them is the greatest in the kingdom. And here is the son of the living God, who is the greatest. And he gets a towel and wraps it around himself and gets a basin full of water and gets down on his knees and begins to move through the disciples, washing their feet. And I remember reading some time ago one writer who said it this way. As he moved through the disciples, one at a time, the white towel with which he began got dirtier and dirtier and dirtier. Here's Jesus with a dirty towel cleaning the feet of his disciples. The very hands that would soon be pierced by nails. And one by one, the flustered disciples felt the fingers of the Lord stroke their feet, wiping away the mud. He dried each foot carefully. He whose sandals they were not worthy to unlatch, he washed their feet. The love of God exists in this world, and it's the only thing that really motivates genuine goodness on the planet. Not all of us are called to take a homeless person, but when the love of Christ motivates you, you will recognize the call if it should come. And the thing that demonstrates who we are as Christians is the unexplainable things we do because we have this quality of divine love coursing through our spiritual veins. We do things nobody could understand. Why would they do that? There's only one reason. They're Christ followers, and the love of God has captured their heart. And when the love of God captures your heart, what you discover is you got too much for just yourself, and you got to let it spill over into the lives of other people. And you know what happens when you do that? You are looked at with amazement. You are looked at as, what makes that guy tick? One day, a man actually came to me and said this to me. He said, sir, can I ask you a question? I said, yes, sir. He said, why are you the way that you are? 
That ought to be a question we get asked more than a few times in our life. Why are we the way that we are? Because we have Christ in us, and He is fueling these characteristics in our lives. Say, friends, as we close out today's broadcast, let me remind you that um, you can get a copy of our monthly resource by Rob Morgan. It's a beautiful little gift book called The Mediterranean Sea Rules. It's yours for the asking, 10 God-given strategies for navigating life's tempestuous sea. In other words, how to get through the storms in your life. Nobody can write about that like Rob Morgan. We want to have you with this in your possession as you head into these next days. So when you send your gift, just ask for the book and we'll send it to you. It's our way of saying thank you and adding value to your life. Well, it's the weekend. And so with the weekend ahead of us, let me just remind you, you need to get to church. This is the Back to Church uh, program. We want to get you back to church because that's where you need to be. The Bible says, don't neglect the gathering of yourselves together. In this very difficult culture in which we live, you need everything that you can find to give you hope and help. Church is certainly one of them. And I hope you will find your way to church this week. If you haven't been going, just stop it right now. Draw a line in the sand and say, from now on, the weekends are for church. And then, of course, we'll see you on television, and we'll see you back here on Monday. Have a great weekend, friends. For more information on Dr. Jeremiah's series, Everything You Need, visit our website where you'll also find two free ways to help you stay connected, our monthly magazine, Turning Points, and our daily email devotional. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. Or call us at 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of Robert J. Morgan's book, The Mediterranean Sea Rules. 10 God-given strategies for moving forward. This helpful resource is yours for a gift of any amount. You can also purchase the Jeremiah Study Bible in the English Standard, New International, and New King James versions with notes and articles from Dr. Jeremiah's decades of study. Get all the details when you visit our website, davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us Monday as we continue the series, Everything You Need, on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. If you're searching for more confidence, purpose, and peace in your life, then be sure to request your copy of Dr. David Jeremiah's book called Everything You Need. The good news is that God has already provided everything you need for growth. All you have to do is develop His gifts in your life. This book is yours when you make a donation to Turning Point. And when you give $75 or more, you'll receive the complete set. Visit davidjeremiah.ca for more information. Have you ever wondered what your legacy will be? The Jeremiah Legacy Society from Turning Point was created for friends of the ministry who feel called to partner with Dr. David Jeremiah to deliver the unchanging Word of God to future generations. We can ensure that the impact we have reaches beyond our days here on earth. Visit our website at davidjeremiahgift.org to learn more about how you can be a part of the Jeremiah Legacy Society. Have you ever noticed how intelligent the person is who asks you for advice about a particular matter? They're wise all right, but it's not just because they picked you to give them counsel. 
it's because they were wise enough to seek out advice from others in the first place. Too many people are afraid to ask for help or advice, but the book of Proverbs speaks highly of it. It's one of the advantages of having family, friends, and wise members of our church. Nobody has all the answers, and those who have the most are the ones who are willing to say, do you have a minute? This is David Jeremiah, encouraging you to get on the road to new life and discover God's counsel on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com and get your roadmap for life. That's Route66life.com. Route 66, start your journey home today. Today.